Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. podcast with me Emma G and this is a very exciting podcast for two reasons. The first being that this is the first Sunday published podcast. You've been emailing in and you've asked me to switch it from Monday to Sunday so that I can keep you company on a Sunday afternoon. Your wish is my command. The second exciting bit of news is that my guest is the fabulous Sally Hughes who invited me to Brighton which is lovely because I used to live there and I hadn't been there in a very very long time to chat to her among many other things, about the launch of her second book, Pretty Iconic. I actually received this book yesterday and have not put it down. I urge everybody to go and pick up this book. It is brilliant and I'm thoroughly, thoroughly enjoying working my way through it. In this podcast, we talk about an awful lot. We talk about her writing process. I'm always incredibly fascinated to find out what it is that makes people tick, particularly creative people. Uh, we talk about Sucky in Tights, and the link is in the show notes to um, her Sucky in Tights of Choice. Uh, we talk about school unions, um, and in fact we talk about so much that I've had to split it into two episodes. So this will be part one, and part two will be arriving next Sunday. Um, I don't see any point in saying much more. All of the links to Sally are in the show notes, including... Uh, all the links to her various columns in the Guardian Weekend, the pool, uh, the tights that she mentions. I've also included the links to her YouTube channel, sallyhughesbeauty.com, and also a link to Soho Radio, where she has a show with India Knight. So, without any further ado, please enjoy the beauty podcast with me, Emma G, featuring Sally Hughes. Right, well, I'm very excited to be here with Sally Hughes today, who is fresh from a day of audio booking. So thank you for fitting me in. Oh, you're welcome. I'm sorry I was late home from the audio recording. Absolutely. Hopefully I'll still happen. have a voice left. Well, that, that's my new concern. It's just as well you're, you're lubricating it. I am. I'm lubricating myself with um, some Malbec, as is my want. The, the lube of champions. It is the lube of champions. So, um, you've been audio booking because you have a book coming out, mm-hmm. um, which, well... that's my, Can I just say, for the benefit of listeners, that that's my dog eating something under the table and not my uh, bodily <laughs> noise. Or mine. Yeah. Um, so, Pretty Iconic is the follow-up to Pretty Honest. Mm-hmm. And um, what can people expect? I'm sure that a lot of people will have uh, read Pretty Honest and loved it. Well, it's a very, very different book from Pretty Honest. So Pretty Honest was sort of like um, a a sort of downloading of many years' information. And um, I really wanted to just write a a beauty book about real life. Instead, I just felt that most beauty books were either for professionals or for super, super disciplined 
kind of, you know, would make a face mask at home sort of people. And I don't know any of those people. And so I wanted to write a beauty book for real life situations, which hopefully I did. What Pretty Iconic is, is it's just about products. So in Pretty Honest, I kind of skirted around specific products because it's a book. You don't, the job, um, the job of recommending new and exciting products or the best products is really journalism or blogging. It's not, it shouldn't appear in a book. A book is permanent. And by the time a book comes out, you'll want to change things. You'll want to change product recommendations because there are new and better Mm -hmm. things out there. This book is about product, but um, it's about timeless products. It's about the products that are icons. So it's not a shopping guide. It's not go and get these products. They are the best. It is a slightly memoirish look at the products that have been the most important in history, either to me personally or to the beauty world at large. Have you read Stephen King's book about writing? Yes. Is it like that, but your version with beauty? Ooh, do you know what it's more like? It's more like Nigel Slater's Eating for England, if anyone has ever read that. So there are around 250 chapters, and each chapter is a beauty product. And um, so, for example, there's a chapter just on Touche Clap, and there's a chapter just on Chanel Number no. 5, but there's also a chapter on Mr. Matey, and there's also <laughs> a chapter on Brill Cream. Uh, And in each chapter, I talk about why this product matters. And sometimes it's just to me personally. Sometimes it's because um, they changed what we used thereafter. Advanced Mm -hmm. Night Repair by Estee Lauder is one of those examples Mm -hmm. that sort of changed how we saw skincare. Um, And yes, I hope... uh, One of the reasons I wanted to write it is that I realised that Whereas lots of people think, um, what music was I listening to when this happened in my life? Even sometimes, what was I wearing or where was I going? Which holiday was I on? I am just as likely to think, which product was I using? What makeup was I wearing on my face at the time? And actually, I can chart my life through the products I've used. Mm. So it is quite personal. And I'm hoping that other people feel similarly, that they'll go, oh, I remember putting Stargazer hair mascara in my hair. (laughs) I remember wearing a scrunchie and looking like shit. I I, I hope that it resonates with other people. It may be too nerdy for some people, I don't know, but I suspect I'm just going to retrieve my dog or shut her out. Um, But I... Are you coming in, Syl? This is where the party's at, (laughs) Syl. Come on. But... um, Yeah, I think if you love beauty, a lot of it will resonate with you. And there will be things in there that are iconic to you that I haven't put in, and I really want to hear about those. I'm quite excited about that bit. Oh, okay. Now, I read about your writing process for this. Okay. Um, In the sense of you had a digital detox towards the end. Yeah, yeah. Um, And I'm really, really intrigued by people who set, set a goal and actually do it. Because we can all talk about, I want to do this and I want to do that, and I want to be a pop star, if you watch Saturday Night TV. Um, but actually seeing that through, what, how, what's your process? Like, how did you make it happen? It's really weird. Oh, it's, my dog keeps escaping. It's really weird because um, when I do um, book events, when I did loads of them, for pretty honest, a, a common question would be, how do you write a book? Mm. What are your tips for writing a book? And the only really, really useful thing is you either write it Mm. 
or you don't write it and then you feel really upset. And if you say you're going to write a book and you don't write it, a few things will happen. Firstly, you'll feel really disappointed in yourself. Secondly, your publisher will feel really gutted and make you give the money back. Um, And thirdly, what I was really worried about with Pretty Honest is that somebody else will write your book. And if somebody else writes your book in the way that you would write it or in the way that it shouldn't have been written in your opinion then you'll just get really really upset and it'll be no one's fault but your own I remember when Pretty Honest came out somebody slightly indiscreet in this industry um, was um, with somebody else in this industry with another writer and they said um, I should have written that book I should have written Pretty Honest and it's like yeah but you didn't you didn't (laughs) I did yeah I wrote it. And I think you have to take that view. You have to think, is it important to me personally that I write it? And if it is important to you, you just do it. And if you don't do it, you're gutted. Mm. But obviously, that's easier said than done. Obviously, you need Mm. some kind of process. Um, I found... As a journalist, I've I've, I've been a journalist for 20 years. I've only been an author for a few years. And so my habits are really ingrained. And the thing about books is never tell a journalist they have a year to write a book. (laughs) Never tell a journalist they're writing a book. It's too intimidating. So what I did, especially with Pretty Honest, and to some degree with Pretty Iconic, is I filed features every couple of days. I just saw chapters as features. Mm. And I walked away from them. As soon as I'd filed them, I forgot about them. And that is the best way for me as a journalist to work because I need deadlines. I need to know people are expecting things from me at a certain time. I need to use up the time I have, not Mm. plan it very, very sensibly. And the moment it's gone, I need to forget about it like I've sent a column or a feature. Mm. So that's what I did. I I didn't deliver a book. I delivered chunks. Interesting. And it's true, isn't it? A lot of the... It's like a to-do list. Yeah. Breakdown. Yeah. Pretty honest, I pretty much delivered... I think I delivered sort of two... Two chapters, two features every few days for a few months. And that that's how it, I did it. And I found I was able to do it that way. But for months and months and months, I did bugger all. And, and the only reason I started was one day this woman on Twitter, this very nice woman on Twitter, tweeted me and said, I'm so excited, I've just pre-ordered your book. And at that point, <laughs> I hadn't started. This is pretty honest. I hadn't even started writing. And I felt sick. I thought I was going to hurl on my computer. I was so, like, panicky. Yeah. And that's when I said to my agent, I can't write a book. And she said, of course you can't. You're a journalist. You write features. So that's what I did. So that's a brilliant piece of advice. I would definitely, definitely do that. And um, if you have never written, if you're not a journalist and you're not an author and you just have a longing to write, um, you need to write. Writers write. Mm. And you need to get up every day and write something, whether it's a blog post, whether it's a long diary entry, you need to write. Mm. Because if you wait... If you wait for the opportunity to write a perfect book or write a perfect piece of journalism, it will never happen. You just need to write stuff down and then you are a writer. I read another article or another interview of yours where you did say, if you want to get into journalism, start a blog, start Mm. writing. Mm. Don't don't want, do. Yeah, well, people will often say to you um, at parties oh, I I really want to be a journalist. How can I be a journalist? And you say, oh, what do you write? And they say, I was really good at English at school. And you think, well, lots of people were good at English, Mm. but actually 
not many people get up and write stuff down and anybody can do that you don't have to be a paid journalist and that's why I really respect bloggers who've kind of hit it big because they get up and they write their words and good things happen to people who keep practicing and keep writing good stuff I sometimes with writers there seem to be lots of different types but you can have a writer who's a brilliant brilliant writer sit in front of them and they talk gobbledygook or you can have someone who's wonderfully articulate in the flesh but then when they try to write it's all flowery Mm. you have it nailed in both compartments You're a great writer. By the way, I have to ask, are you wearing Ruby Woo? No, I'm not. I'm wearing um, Burberry Military Red, which is my new jam. Yes, it's very, very pleasing in the eye. Um, Ruby Woo is a bit blue for me. It's in the book, though. Yeah, it's one of those things. So if someone's sitting in front of me wearing a red lipstick, Mm. and I think it might be Ruby Woo, it's almost like, it's like beauty journalists who talk about face masks, and instead of talking about the stuff going into your face, you just go... (laughs) It's like a trademark. I reckon Ruby would be good on you, though. I'm not good with it. I'm, I'm not good with a red lip. Really? Well, I try to go. Remember when J Lo started? It was all pale skin, big lips. She's better now, honey toned, right? Hmm. Well, I just she's amazing. Anyway, that's me on record saying I'm trying to be like Jennifer Lopez. But sometimes, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Edit point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah take Cut. That. that doesn't sound good. <laughs> but. Um, to that point of being articulate in both forms, uh, people love reading you, but they also love hearing you. Mm-hmm. And I find myself uh, listening to in the in the bathroom mm. as a podcast. I oh, cool! Take the iPad around with me, and I watch nice. it. And I and I like how. When did you know that you were good at both, and how were you able to capitalise on both? I know that you said that from the age of four you wanted to be a journalist. Yes. Um, lots of people say that, as we've talked about. How did you hone your skills? Or did you, or is it just... Um, oh, bloody Nora. My dog, hang on. I've locked her out, she keeps coming in and out, and now she's annoyed. And now I'm going to lock her in. <laughs> just... Um, uh, so they're two... Uh, I want to say that they're two different things just because I approach them very differently in that I tried really, really hard at one and not at the other at all. Um, so the second thing, the talking thing, happened by accident in that I had been a journalist for very many years and then, and it was all I ever wanted to do and, I'm, and I work hard and I've always worked hard. But I just started being asked to go on the radio quite a lot quite a few years ago and ended up doing Radio 5 Live every weekend. Just I just did a, a review slot. And I just think gradually I got all right at it. And I didn't find it that hard. But I do think... I do think that when I do radio, and when I do in the bathroom, and when I make videos, that is basically me. Mm. So I, I don't think I've practised practice being good at talking but I have made sure that I remain myself and I think that's probably appealing if you come from a base position of thinking I'm an all right person if you don't like me you won't like any of the broadcasting because I'm exactly the same but if you do like me I guess it's reassuring to know I am exactly the same yeah so I think I sound like myself and maybe that's the skill or maybe it just comes naturally I'm not sure whereas writing 
obviously I've been doing it for a long time and I've got better and better as you should um, throughout your career but the talking thing I don't know obviously I'm quite gobby um, but yeah I think the secret is to just be yourself I think people can spot if you're a phony mm. yes now I've seen you at events and I've watched your videos a, a lot and I've seen you interview people and be uh, on shows with people and you're unwavering like you, you do have a very strong sense of self that's how it comes across. I'm not going to tell you who you are. Do you think that's part of the magic? I can't imagine you being... The reason I said I can't imagine you changing your opinion because of what someone else says. No, no, I would never change my opinion, mm. no. I mean, I change my opinion naturally all the time, but I would never allow someone else to change my opinion. Yeah. Um, no, I've walked out on magazines who've changed my opinion in opinion columns. I would never do that because, because 90... Five percent of my job is my opinion on things. Mm. So if you need a certain opinion and it doesn't tally with mine, don't hire me. Is my view. And mm. um, if somebody hires me to an express to express my opinion, then it has to be my opinion. I would mm. never. Also, I just get too much shit online from people about my opinion. So I better believe in it. I better come <laughs> yeah. from a base position of believing it. Because if I don't believe it, then I'll be really furious. Someone's having mm. a go at me, and I won't be able to stand my ground. So. Yeah, I wouldn't change my opinion. So I suppose I I do have quite a strong um, sense of self, but I think that kind of happens to you when you're in your 40s. I'm, you know, 42 in February, and I just... I do think sort of from mid-30s onwards, you you become less apologetic for who you are and much more accepting of the fact that not everyone will like you, and that's okay. Mm. Do you Do you notice those landmarks? Do you think, oh yeah, I'm definitely, I would have been upset about that X number of years ago. Oh yeah, yeah, of course. So in my 20s, and I think this is probably quite true for lots of people, I hope it is anyway, because I've written about it, but um, (laughs) this thing in your 20s where you go to a party or you go for a lunch or you go on a date and then you sort of replay you play and replay and replay the tape of what happened in your head and you think god that was so embarrassing I can't believe I said that I can't believe I did that I sounded like a bit of a dick then that you know I bet they thought I was this I bet they thought they thought I was that but as you get older you just sort of think fuck it like I, I it doesn't really matter because I have enough people in my life who I love and who love me that I don't need to bend who I am in order to attract new people mm-hmm. and I think that's true of me in the beauty industry to be honest I don't think I'm very popular it has to be said um I'm not very good at mingling and I find the beauty industry very mingly and um, a little bit cliquey. And I don't mean that negatively. I think there are lots of good friendships within it, but I definitely consider myself very much on the outside of that and I don't really mind. Yes, that's interesting. Do you think that if you were in the centre of it, you maybe would think that you were doing something wrong? That's a good question, isn't it? Maybe. Maybe. I, I mean, certainly in my job, I don't have to maintain relationships with brands that other people have to mm. in order to get their salary. And I, I sympathise with that. I wouldn't be able to work under those conditions. So maybe. But also, I just... I'm not very good in situations where I have to kind of... 
I'm not good at small talk particularly. I'm not good at mingling. I'm not good in competitive environments. Also, I just... I don't have time to see people I genuinely love enough. Mm. So the idea of going on a jolly holiday to look at a fake tan with a load of people I wouldn't normally go on holiday with is in no way appealing to me. Mm. And that's not about the people who are going. I would just rather be with the people I actually know and love Mm. because I don't have enough time to see them as much as I want. So I don't really care. And I don't, um, I, I don't feel the need, which isn't to say I don't have some friends in the industry. I absolutely do, and I, and I certainly don't have any feuds, and I certainly don't have any ill feeling towards anybody. It's all fine. Um, but I definitely don't consider myself a part of it. So, well, you're your own island. You've got your books. You've got everything. I mean, you're busy. That's the yeah. thing. Uh, yeah. You are busy. Yeah. And you've just, so you've got a new book coming out. You've got columns. Mm-hmm. And actually, I must say, I love your column on the pool because if I've not read up on something enough mm-hmm. and then I see that you've written about it, I do think, right, this is going to be, just going to cut through the shit and just <laughs> do it for me. Is that... Well, that's nice. Thank you. What do your... Is that what your what your friends, the people who uh, you surround yourself with and who are drawn towards you, is that one of the things they like about you, the no-nonsense? Are you the person who will say you've got lipstick on your teeth and know that oh boyfriend my God, is an yes. absolute wanker? Yes. Um, <laughs> I love them nodding. <laughs> I, would, uh, um, I wouldn't be so insensitive to say, as to say to somebody I love that their boyfriend's an absolute wanker unless there had been gross misconduct, you mm-hmm. know, like something really serious. But I would definitely tell somebody if they had lipstick on their teeth. I would definitely tell them if they had spinach in their teeth. Um, and eye bogus is a big one for me, but that's as an eyeliner wearer. <laughs> oh yeah, eye sick is the pits. Um, and men with brie corners. Book. Um, oh, brie corners. <laughs> I know. You know those little. I've never... I've never seen a woman with brie corners, but some men get brie corners, which is that <laughs> kind of. Have you come over a bit strange? I've never. It's heard rotten, that isn't it? Expression. Before. It's like it's like a collection of whiteness in the corners of one's mouth. Women don't seem to have it. I don't no. know what the science is behind that. But anyway, <laughs> um, I'm what, willing to fund the study. <laughs> um, what was I saying? Yes. No. No. I am. I am. I am no bullshit, and I think that um, readers have that expectation of my writing and so it's good it's good to be obliged Mm. not to fanny around because that's what they expect of me so I can't really do it and I also like it I watched um the Marion Keys interview and I flipping love that woman and I just listen to her voice I can't really talk about Marion Keys without crying because I love her so much and what I noticed there is she's so open and spilling everything and I feel like she's my best friend now because of your interview with her she's amazing and what was lovely is that I could totally imagine getting completely drawn into Marion, but when you were sitting with her, you were actually pulling out more by sort of staying... It would have been really easy at some points to, like, tap her on the shoulder and go, oh, babe. But she actually just shared so much. It was incredible. She's amazing, Marion. I think... Um, I think hopefully people know they can trust me and... 
Although I'm no bullshit, I'm really not very judgmental. That's the other thing. I'm not a particularly judgmental person. I've done all of the things, all of the bad things, and it's all fine. I don't, I don't feel embarrassed about that. So I think people can talk to me, hopefully, about messiness mm-hmm. in their lives. And um, I might be concerned if it's damaged them. Well, I would be concerned if it damaged them, but I don't have have any sort of moral or ethical concern because mm. I just think good people make bad decisions all the time or make mistakes or mm. mess up and uh, I, I never feel I, I never really feel any sort of judgment towards them so maybe that's why they say the things also I've written about lots of my mess ups I've written about the fact that I've had an abortion I've written you know I've I've always been you know sweary on the radio on our radio show and you know I've spoken about you know my my past and running away from home and being homeless and all that stuff so I think people know that I'm I'm a deeply flawed individual and it's kind of fine um is that flawed or is that well I don't I think it's fine yeah um I really don't feel like I don't feel ashamed or anything, but I think lots of people do feel ashamed of those things. Right. And because they know that I don't, that it's a safe place to reveal them yeah. or talk about them. This is true. And um, I, one of the other quotes I saw was, don't get it right, get it rich. Oh, it's which, like all you need to know if you want to write. Yeah. Which is also a little bit like that of don't strive, don't strive to be perfect. You don't have to be perfect. No, just... it's a hiding to nothing. It's mm. awful. People who... Um, I mean, it really is the best advice for all writers, and sometimes I have to give it to myself. I think all writers suffer from, oh, it has to be so good, I can't... And you just feel kind of paralysed by a blank page on your Mm -hmm. word processor. But um, the only way out is through, and what you have to do is just write stuff down and make it good later. Mm -hmm. Because until you write stuff down, there is nothing. And so just get it down, edit, tweak, rewrite, and you'll end up with something, some vague approximation of what you wanted originally. Or it might be really great. But either way, it's never happening unless you write stuff down. So you just have to start writing. Yeah, I must admit, I've written so many things over the years and I thought, oh, I just got to get it done because there's a deadline. And then you go back years later and you read it and you're like, you're quite surprised. Yeah, yeah, of course. That happens a lot. You thought it was nonsense. Yeah, yeah, it happens a lot. Oh, my turn of phrase. Yeah, oh, actually, it's quite good. (laughs) Um, Now, I've talked about Cut This Shit because I honestly, that's how I feel about the Paul Collins, particularly the Madonna one. I was like, what's all this nonsense? Oh, you like Madonna, don't you? Like me? I think Madonna's incredible. Yeah. I think she's really incredible. She's everything. And it's just all that nonsense about because of her age and that's... Oh, it makes me wild. I think she should... It makes me wild. Yeah, well, it's just... It makes me livid. (laughs) Expand. Well, I just... I think Madonna... Fine if you don't like Madonna. It's absolutely fine. I mean, you're wrong, but it's fine. (laughs) No judgment. um, But what, what I hate is if the best you've got in not liking Madonna is that she should know better at her age than to wear that, Mm. than to go out with him, than to dance like that. She shouldn't be doing that at her age. If that's the best you've got, then I judge you far more harshly than I could ever judge her. (laughs) If if that's all you've got, you've shown your ass really badly far more than she would. (laughs) It's awful. It's awful. I'm embarrassed for anyone who holds She's the queen of everything. Um, talking about going back to Pretty Honest, actually, I read that you cried at a lot of the book events. 
when you had to... Did I? It said that you can't... You were crying at launches. I think talking about... You're talking about other things or other people. You're fine. But talking about yourself... Oh, yeah, no, it's unbearable. Much. Yeah, it's unbearable. And Marion Keys. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah, I find it unbearable. Um, I cried at my launch party and it... Um, and it remains like not actual tears but voice croaking and it remains one of the most embarrassing moments of my life is i'm that, horrified by it is that the tape that you replay in the wee hours of the night i haven't i haven't done recently but yes i was certainly disgusted with myself for about three weeks <laughs> afterwards like horrified and wished that it had never happened no. to the point where my book launch party is on uh 24th of october and i'm strongly considering not saying anything just in case I feel overwhelmed but I don't like I don't like um, I don't like everybody looking at me which I know sounds mad because my picture's in the Guardian weekend and I make videos and things but because I'm a journalist I focus on what's around me and the people I'm interviewing Mm. and the subject I'm talking about I don't really want to be the thing. I don't really like being the thing. Which I is, would hate to be yes. famous, for example. Which is, well, which leads me on to another mm. category of questions, which is through your journalism, through doing your job, which to let you know you're not going on to be a TV presenter, mm-hmm. but you're, you're on all these channels, you have amassed an audience mm-hmm. who look up to you and some people would say that you are a celebrity beauty writer, celebrity beauty editor. I don't think they would. Really? No, I don't think they would. I think, you know, I think I think certain brands... Well, I know that brands call me an influencer, but I think that's very different. I don't think... When I get stopped in the street, and it happens fairly frequently, they're readers who read my column. They're not general public. They're mm-hmm. people who are really engaged with the kind of thing I do. And they're not mentals. They're like people you'd be mates with. They're like kind of normal women yeah. who read my column or follow me on Instagram or whatever. They're really... They're never nuts. No. But when you build up... When you suddenly look at your Twitter following and it's growing, mm. growing, 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 mm. and all of a sudden that audience means that brands are looking at you in a different way how does how do you kind of cope with that how does that how do you manage that with people really relying on your opinion they you know they say with fame comes responsibility Britney can't go out tripping off her tits because she's got young fans Mm. back in the day Mm. is there responsibility for you when you've got all these people who really do hang on what you write Um, I take people's money extremely seriously, really, really seriously. Um, Quite often there are products I want to put in my column that are quite expensive and I really agonise over it. Um, I think, is it worth it? So it has to be something I really, really would put my own money on that it will work for you. So the last example I can think of that is, say, BioEffect. I really love BioEffect. I think that the benefits of BioEffect are really, really noticeable. Mm. So it's insane money, but I'm prepared to put it in The Guardian. Mm. But there are loads of things week by week that I really, really like that I wouldn't put in because I just can't handle people shouting at me that they've spent 70 quid on a moisturiser and they don't like it. So I take that really seriously, but then I would put it on Instagram. Mm. Uh, but just for a Guardian audience, I can't always face it, I have to say. So I do take that. 
Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, "What the f are you talking about? You insane Hollywood ass." So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Really seriously. Um, whereas I think on a woman's glossy, you, just, you can just put in what you like and not really give a hoot about whether readers can afford it or not. Mm. Um... So I what they call aspirational. Yeah, so I do worry about that because the thing is, I um, so I'm wearing like a Burberry lipstick today. I reckon I think it's about twenty five quid, twenty four quid. Now, for lots of women, that's an evening's babysitter. Mm. I think that's a lot of money, and I I don't ever want to be a journalist who forgets that that's loads of money, mm. and that is for some women the opportunity to go out with their husband for the evening for the first time in weeks or months and you kind of think is it going to make her feel as nice and you have to really weigh it up in your head and I do that a lot so I do feel huge responsibility when it comes to that um I also don't google myself ever I'm terrified like so I would never that's the other side of it um I have loads of blockers on my internet browser. Mm. So occasionally I have to Google my name and a product name to see if I've already mentioned it and I don't want to mention it again mm. so soon or whatever. So in those situations I have to do it. So I've got loads of blockers so I don't see anything from Mumsnet. I don't see, um, I don't see anything of Twitter that doesn't have my name added so if someone's added me obviously I see it but if someone has just written my name I never want to see it ever mm. ever ever um I don't want to read threads on mum's net except for some reason people feel the need to tell me about them and link to them on twitter which really upsets me um I just I don't want to read the bad stuff I don't read book reviews or anything like that unless someone tweets them to me and the reason for that is not because I'm hyper hypersensitive and I can't handle the idea of somebody hating me I'm perfectly prepared to accept and I totally understand that people that lots of people won't like me and that lots of people will slag me off that's so fine I just don't want to read it I just don't think I need to be confronted with it I don't see why I should read a load of women laughing at the way I spell my name or I don't see why I should read some men saying I don't look as good as I did five years ago I don't see why I need to read that on a weekend when I'm meant to be hanging out with my kids or mm. writing or it just bums me out I don't want to see it so I think I think it's a thin end of the wedge if you start getting too into your status and mm. too into your influence because if you start seeking out the good you'll just come across so bad and you'll just get mashed in the head whereas I generally don't don't want to see it mm. ever i'd rather think lots of people don't like me they're doing it over there i'll never meet them or read it 
just like makes being me in the feel playground. more at peace yeah yeah it just makes me feel more at peace yeah just you always stand as far away from the girls who are being nasty in the playground and just yeah so you can't hear them yeah and maybe they think they're va- you know their reasons are valid the only time I've ever steamed in was when there was just this insane, insane kind of pernicious thread on Mum's net um, with this one or two people who were just telling massive lies about me. And then I steamed in because somebody told me about it. But on the whole, you know, just don't engage mm. is my view. It does seem to be the way. Is it, it's almost like someone says something nasty to get you to respond. And so the best thing you can do is yeah. annoy them by just... Yeah. I don't think people realise they're talking about an actual person a lot of the time. That's the thing. I think they mm. sort of forget that it's a real person with friends and kids and Google. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I have to admit, I text during Real Housewives with my friends, but it's offline. Because we would not say the things that we say about some of those Yeah, yeah, yeah. On a public social yeah. media platform because it yeah. wouldn't be okay. Yeah. But in that safe place of kind of we're poking fun at the programme, it's... Yeah, yeah. I'm quite careful about what I say about um, people. It has to be somebody who is an absolute irredeemable monster for me to say something. So I would say something about Donald Trump and I would say something about Katie Hopkins, but I just think they're so vile and enjoy being spiteful and mean so much that I don't give a shit. But they're the people who will Google themselves. Yeah. And will care. Yeah. Well. Because it's fuel. Katie Hopkins takes a paycheck for being absolutely vile about poor people, overweight people, Welsh people, Scottish people. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't give a shit. But most people, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't comment about them negatively on social media because I just think you don't know. You don't know what kind of day they've had. Yeah. I met a celebrity at the Glamour Awards recently and I thought, oh, you're not very nice. But then I would never... But then I got home and I just thought, actually, maybe you were stressed that day. Maybe mm. you'd had a shit day. Maybe somebody had been mean to you. You just don't know what's gone on. So I would generally not say anything. I um, People as working on the magazine that I worked on for 10 years... The question I get asked most as soon as I said that to people is, oh, who's your favourite celebrity or who was the worst celebrity... And I always just have to say, I saw a snapshot. I saw them on a photo yeah, shoot. Yeah, no, that's for an really hour. true. It's like a Polaroid. You, you can sometimes catch someone at a bad, a bad angle. So my experience on that day was, yeah, they seemed easy to work with. Or yeah, yeah, they were hungry. No, that's really true. And the same goes for interviews. People always say, "Who's the nicest person you've ever interviewed? Who's the most awful person you've ever interviewed?" And all I can really say is, who was either the most professional or the best at being mm. interviewed? That's all I can say. Um, yes, because it's nice when someone is engaged and prepared to be interviewed. When yeah, no, absolutely. When they're like looking at you and going, yep, come on then. Yeah. And you've exhausted all ten questions in yeah. a minute. You're like, oh. when, when people are really good at being interviewed, I admire and respect it. And I do spread the word because mm. I just think kudos for being so professional. Well, precisely. Now, um, another quote is, I know what image I want to project, which I really warmed to because this is about your clothes and how you dress Mm -hmm. and you realize the things that suit you the things that don't Mm. suit you and what you want to project Mm. now uh, i'm ashamed to say it but i'm someone who the majority of the time dresses for comfort Mm -hmm. and it's nothing to be ashamed of so do i (laughs) hence the cardigan and the rather loose whatever today Mm -hmm. um but yours well you do dress for comfort but you also walked into a room and rupaul called you chic he did and it was one of the best moments of my life i have to say 
So it was a really great moment, and I think we should just pause to reflect on it. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was amazing. Like, I weed, almost. You would. Yeah. I mean, to be fair... I had spent two hours getting ready for RuPaul, so... Like, <laughs> In the workroom. It wasn't like I fell out of bed in an Erdem skirt and, like, loads of makeup and really good hair. But I can imagine, because, I mean, he's eight feet tall or something. Yeah. Even as a man without the heels on. And I can just imagine, like, God, Sally, you're so chic. Yeah, he, he said, you're so fucking chic, look at you. I was like, <laughs> Just would have exploded. Yeah, no, no, I was over the moon. It was a great moment. So, I know what image I want to project. Is that something that you were really conscious about doing? I don't want to make you sound like someone from the hills. He's like, tomorrow I'm going to be dominatrix secretary. But was that just over a period of time, just like, this is my comfort zone? Uh, No, I've always liked clothes. And um, um, I've always been able to put stuff together. Um, In the way, my friend Deborah, who actually um, is my business partner on the website, she's amazing. She... um, Deborah will say to you, she cannot dress for shit. And I and I always say, but I don't get it. It's so easy. Just put an outfit together. What's the problem? And she said, can you make flat pack furniture? And I'm like, no. And she said, well, to me, putting together outfits is like putting together flat pack furniture is for you. Your brain either works like that mm-hmm. or it doesn't. And I cannot put together flat pack furniture. Mm-hmm. I just burn it, leave it. Um, but I can, I, I can dress. You can. RuPaul called you chic. Let's take another moment. Let's just take another moment. In fact, podcast is over. Let's just leave that dangling. Let's get the champagne. Let's just leave that lingering for everyone. Um, um, but I've always loved clothes. And my mother dresses well. And um, I was brought up in a house full of boys where I just craved femininity and clothes. So as soon as I could dress myself and not in their clothes, I mm. did. And but also I know what doesn't suit me. Mm-hmm. There's loads of things that other people look amazing in that I wouldn't touch. I don't wear sleeveless things ever. See, I um, wish that was the case, but I am the person who still who wants to have the body I don't have. So if oh, I, we all want that, of course. But but then I buy clothes for tiny willowy people thinking if I wear it then that's what I want yeah no I don't do that I'm quite realistic so I would never so I I see some girl with no bra and a vest on and I just think you look glorious Mm. but I wouldn't go near it Mm. because I have to be wearing a bra at all times at all times we're talking bed as well Uh, um, it has been known but it's not my nightly look but it has been known if I come in really knackered I might fall into bed in a bra um but no as a rule not but all other times I wouldn't doss around the house in pyjamas and no bra that wouldn't happen you know people are like oh I'm home I take my bra off no mm. I know bra off for me is bed crop top on yeah because no bra and there's a sweat situation that happens which is just not nice for ladies no and also sore mm. I really like so I always wear a bra and I never wear sleeveless things I can never wear anything remotely boho, hippie. I look ridiculous. Mm. Um, I'm really short, so if I wear, like, maxi dresses, I just look like Wizbit. <laughs> like, remember Wizbit? <laughs> ha ha, this way. You know, that. I look like that, or I look like a sort of wigwam. Right. So I can't wear maxi dresses. Me either, I look like a busty wigwam. Yeah, well, I've got massive knockers as well, especially for a little person. So that's a bad look for me. 
Um, I don't wear anything. I don't wear anything kind of hippie-ish. I like things that are neat, mm. and I like things that are chic. And um, also, uh, pastels, man. Like I just look horrible in pastels. Like horrible. Also, I don't wear flat shoes. You don't. I wear trainers, but I wouldn't wear a flat shoe. When you wear trainers, do you feel a little bit bouncy? Do you feel because I'm yeah, I feel quite short. I'm five four, so I'm, so I'm five in, three. So I'm always in a heel. And when I wear trainers, I feel yeah, I'm casual today. But I think the whole time I'm trying to make my neck longer, so it ends up just hurting. Well, I quite like being short. I don't mind being short, <clears throat> so I don't mind feeling short. Um, but I don't quite. F- I don't. F- quite feel so powerful in flats maybe I don't know and I feel a bit dumpy I think I'm not I'm not so worried about the height but I feel a bit squat and dumpy Mm. so I've got trainers on now but I've got Isabel Morant wedge trainers on yeah so I like a little bit of a lift love a wedge trainer yeah love a wedge trainer so I don't wear flats I don't own any shoes that are flat interesting not even a converse no also I'd be really interested to know if any of your listeners share this view because I think I'm a freak converse even in the height of summer make my feet really cold and I think they do something they cut off my circulation but every pair of converse I've had my feet get freezing in a way they don't with other shoes that's interesting I don't know what it is and it's not that they're canvas because I have other trainers but they, they make my feet bloody freezing. I don't know what that is. Again, I will fund... Also, Spanx. Can I just briefly talk about Spanx? Because I'd like Please to know if me. any of your listeners share this. Um, Spanx make my stomach stick out far more than it would without them. It makes my stomach ache and then puff up. Like, really stick out. Is it the compression? I think it's the compression. It's the compression. You know, like, when you get on an aeroplane and you gain two dress sizes in the air? Or is Mm -hmm. that just me? No, that's that's usually me and the salty peanuts and the champagne. Yeah, so I just get... I get... I get off a plane and I've literally grown two dress sizes. Mm -hmm. I'm enormous. That's what Spanx do to me. But not other sucky in tights. Just Spanx. Just... Oh, okay. Yes, I I have a problem with Spanx anyway. Because all my tights are sucky in... But Spanx specifically make me bloat. Ever since they invented sucky in tights, I don't understand why other tights still exist. No, thank you, no. So why do people have tights that don't suck in? Why? Who are these people who are so lean? They're dancers. Because it's not a fat thing, it's a loose thing. (laughs) It's like a a mobile stomach thing. Yes. Why would you not have a straight line? It's weird, isn't it, that? I don't understand. There are certain things, and if I've accidentally bought tights without the sucky-in technology, mm, mm. TM, I just think this is absolutely nonsense. Have we gone back to the dark ages? Can I share with you the best sucky-in tights in the world? Please do. And I really have tried them all. This, this link will be going in the, the show notes. The best sucky-in tights in the world come from Phoenix, and they are Aura Blue Super Shock tights and yeah they're called super shock up tights and they suck in thighs ass well they lift your ass they don't suck in your ass they lift your ass they suck in your thighs they suck in your belly and they don't make you bloat and they don't hurt and they don't make your boobs massive no they they don't no they don't hurt they don't give you fat back they're amazing they're absolutely amazing and now every time I go to London I have to go into Phoenix to get some more because I live in proper fear that they're going to be discontinued I've got about 30 pairs I think that sounds like good sense. They're amazing. They're about 16 quid. 
are um, so good buying some because we are the, in we're in October they're better than Walford they're better than Falk they're better than uh, Spanx they're better than any sucky and tight I've ever 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 tried they're amazing I'm so happy to know this information mm. because I had a really good pair of sucky and tights and then I laddered them oh blues no so I've got like literally dozens of these tights specifically <laughs> they're so good and but Spanx yes yeah, Spanx are a weird thing but... just make me really fat such an odd thing. Well, I also, I mean, the shorts. You the... had one job, is my view, was to <laughs> not make me fat. <laughs> oh, I always apply that you had one job to Spectre because I am not a big fan of the new James Bond incarnation. You had one job, keep Judy Dench alive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, Spanks are now up there with uh, Spectre. Aura Blue, super shock up. Get involved, they're immense. Okay, and they're available at Fenix. They are, are available at Fenix. You can get them online, but not in the 60. Denier, and I like a 60. So the 60 yeah. only seems to be in Phoenix. Okay. Well, there's, it's always a good reason to go to London is to go into Phoenix. Yeah. I do. A best lose in London also, Phoenix. Oh, yeah, because you go down and then you've got like the boudoir. Best lose. They have armchairs in there. They have perfume in there. You can do your makeup in there. It's really civilised. I do that. And then I often wonder if they think I am sort of down on my luck and just need to be somewhere for a bit and but who cares? don't have friends. I don't. I just need to develop. I don't care. I want to. I want to be more like that, Sally. I don't. Who cares? It's cool. Did you? Have you always been a who cares? You didn't have to train yourself to do that. Um. Not that I'm projecting my own therapy session onto you. Um. I mean, I am embarrassed in some context. Like I'm quiet on public transport. I don't like people hearing what I'm talking about. I would never take a phone call on a train, for example. Mm-hmm. I'm quite private in that regard. But like I don't, most things I don't care about. I'm quite private, but I don't really care what people think of me. I don't care what if people think I'm a certain kind of person. I just don't want people knowing my business. Mm. Those, those are quite good boundaries to just have in place, especially given that you now have a public profile. Because mm. I'm guessing that was what you were like before. I don't feel yeah, like no, it, I, I've just always been that way. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't really like giving loads away about my private life. And even though that pool column is autobiographical, obviously, and it's written in the first person, you never, I would never write a column say about my sex life, or I'd never write a column about my kids that would upset them if mm. they googled it in five years' time. Well, it's your, it's you in the sense of this is my take on that, and because people know you, mm. the identity is already woven. Yeah, in. I don't want people in my private business. But what were we talking about? We were talking about clothes, and I started quacking on about tights. <laughs> oh, it was about identity, about knowing how you wanted to present yourself. Oh yeah, no. So I just, I know what suits me, and I know what I look absolutely horrendous in. I look horrendous in pastels. I look horrendous in anything hippie-ish. I don't look very nice in trousers. Some trousers, yes. I don't wear flat shoes. So, um, although I think I dress all right, it's very much within the confines of what I know suits me. I'm not experimental in that regard. Mm, experimental and I don't like bodycon things either. Even when I've been super, super, super skinny, I've never been a big girl, I wouldn't wear something skin tight. So you wouldn't, you wouldn't wear anything that Kim Kardashian has in her wardrobe at the moment? N- no. She's vacuum-packed into every it, single outfit. Yeah, and all power to her. I defend her right to go out like that until, you know, with my dying breath, but not for me. She looks smoking hot. But I, I mean, her can't. body is phenomenal. It is absolutely phenomenal. But I just, 
something and certainly my body um is not it, it, it's not just that it's not in the same neighborhood it's not in the same continent but um i even if i looked like that that's just not my thing mm. yeah i think there's always a small part of me that wishes that you could do it that you could do the like yes. yeah see i i don't do bikinis either do you do bikinis i know so i'm going on holiday my first holiday in a while um at the end of this month and it will be my first holiday where i don't take a bikini Interesting. Mm. I saw um, on Instagram recently a PR company, um, a beauty PR company, who do an away <coughs> day every year. And they went to Ibiza and everybody was there in their bikinis and they all looked glorious. But I did just think I would actually die if I worked somewhere that insisted that I went to Ibiza and wore a bikini. <laughs> and I, would, I would just quit my job. I was just like, nothing could make me. Down not, tools. Not with a gun to my head. Would I hang out with colleagues on the beach with practically no clothes on? Friends and family, fine, I don't really care, but not in a work context, no way. Years ago, I went to Esalen, which is this kind of hippie commune in Big Sur, California, and I went with my very good friends um, who live in America, and the man in the couple is my former editor. When I was features director at The Face, he was editor-in-chief, and we were there together, and everybody was nude, and I just thought, no. (laughs) Like, no, I just don't think my former editor, as close a friend as he is, needs to see my family. <laughs> no. Yeah, well, I don't think there is a, a checklist for, for when that is appropriate with your boss. I just don't feel it ever is. I'm, really. I'm old-fashioned that way. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I'm a massive prude when it comes to that. I've been on one press trip where I did, and it was to Ibiza. <laughs> oh, my God, the thought of going on a beauty press trip and being in a bikini with all the other beauty editors actually makes me feel ill. But it's what I call those day beds that are actually not the day... You know, like we went to some nice big day club or something and they were basically big mattresses with curtains around them and so my tactic was to very very quickly take off my jumper and then lie down as stiff as a yeah stomach sucked in so that nothing moved I would just die no way and so so it's a good job I never go on it was very difficult to drink so every time I was like you're not drinking I was like yeah because I physically can't get this glass to my face without pouring it all over myself I do think as as kind of self-assured as um maybe people think I am and maybe I like to think I am I um I do feel instinctively about big groups of um girls I don't know nearly all my friends are girls and most of my nights out are girls only and that makes me very happy I love 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 women and would die without my girlfriends the thought of being on a trip with beauty editors makes me feel fearful hmm is it big groups of girls big groups of girls yeah, because I think, because although I'm always in a big group of girls, I've picked them and they've picked me, mm. and I think I get school fear. Yeah. Did you go to an all-girls school? No, no. Um, but I, but I, I think I'd get school fear that, you know, people would be talking about me. Or th- I, I don't know, I just... I feel a bit uncomfortable in that environment and I think maybe that's why I find beauty events a bit uncomfortable. Mm. I fear I fear big groups of girls I don't know because I you know I think on some base level I might think I might have to have a fight. <laughs> Which it's, is ridiculous because obviously I don't and that would never happen but on some but some you should bring that into the mix. <laughs> <list. laughs> 
think on, on some deeply ingrained level, I think I might feel I might have to have a fight, which obviously isn't the case. It's massively intimidating. It's ma- I find big groups of girls massively intimidating. Yeah, but then I am in a big group of girls, and nearly all my friends are girls, but we're all a bit like that, is the thing. We all feel fear yeah. of big groups of girls, because I think if you're the girl who was bullied at school... Mm. You always have that in you, I think. You always have that mild jeopardy. Do you know what's interesting is I um, reconnected with a lot of school friends about five years ago. And what's really interesting is that at school I was... um, Not monster, what am I trying to say? Pratt. Just wanted to be liked a lot and so it was just too loud. It was that girl. And despite everything and despite changing, as soon as you go back into the dynamic with those people, it's all the same. How interesting. And not that I'm a prat anymore, but I just see that I'm still not going to get heard by that person. Yeah. Even though yeah. the person has Would you go to a school reunion? Do you know what? <laughs> You'll laugh at this. I actually organised one um, and then didn't go. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> because. Do you know, that makes me think it's going to be something like, you know, like a horror film where you don't turn up and then burn the pub down. <laughs> and you're outside with a stick of dynamite cackling. No, I got. I, Bully I, me, you fuckers. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I genuinely got caught in traffic. Um, and I, I was feeling quite nostalgic. Caught in traffic. Yeah. Sweet smart. On the M20. Um, I was feeling quite nostalgic. I think it was Christmas. I think I was on my laptop. I think I was drinking. Yeah. And I started yeah. to imagine a universe that didn't exist where yeah. I could go back and it would all be lovely and pe- people would be... And then I thought, mm, it's too much of a risk. I'm sure people are lovely. They are, obviously, in their own little worlds. But I think once you get a dynamic together... But you only have to look at Real Housewives reunions, and I can already tell you're a better person than me, and you don't watch the Real Housewives. No, but I do watch Geordie Shaw, so we're quits, possibly. I love Geordie Shaw. I I fully love it. Geordie and and Jersey, or just Geordie? No, just Geordie. The American ones, even though the British ones are really heavily manipulated, the American ones are so scripted, they make me nuts, I can't watch them. Ah, so not T.S. Collard is the willing suspension of disbelief for you. (laughs) No, and I can't can't watch Towie and Made in Chelsea or anything like that. They just make me nuts. They're so annoying. But I do love Geordie Shaw because I find them quite weirdly charming. There is something weirdly charming about it because you're absolutely right. There's something quite guileless and sweet about them. Yes. No, I don't think... Not kind of shark-eyed, like dead-eyed Chelsea people. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I never go to anything in Chelsea or Knightsbridge. It's like my soul dies every time I go there. I, I feel like I, I do, but it's almost like self-harm. In yeah, no, it is. It's so depressing. It's the worst part of London by far. And also, I, you go into Harvey Nichols, you, you know that there are lots of beauty destinations there, and so you often find yourself Harvey Nichols is working. great. It's lovely, but um, you would think, because it was clientele, that people would be polite and there'd be good manners. Don't try and get into a lift with a man in Harvey Nichols. They will push past you. They do not care. I've really? Been, every time I go into Harvey Nichols, I just have to think, might I just use the stairs? People are so... There's a bit of an arrogance of, no, this is my right of way. Wow. Once I'm in a shop, like, once I'm in Harvey Nichols, I'm as happy as a clam, but, like, the surrounding... Chelsea and Knightsbridge, I'll do anything to avoid them. I interviewed the cast of Made in Chelsea before the first season aired, and that was a really good day at work. That was just... 
that was a jaw-dropping moment of... How so? Um, like, not with a gun to my head would I take that gig. <laughs> um, because I was... Because of, the, because of their reality, me communicating with them, who doesn't come from that world, who doesn't have those privileges, and them, commu- them talking to me and realising that their normal was so far removed yeah, from my right. normal. Yeah. It was just really... Just very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I don't know where any of them are. Quite often, as you will, I get um, press releases saying, so-and-so, there always seem to be cool things like Binky and stuff. <laughs> They're launching some beauty brand. And, like, I actually ended up setting up filters on my um, email account. <laughs> so I now have filters that filters out Towie, Made in Chelsea, Binky, Thigh Gap, Cellulite, bikini body that I've got about 30 different filters set up on my email because life's too short you are the queen of filters I need I to speak to you about this oh, filters are amazing because I feel like there's so many apps that I need to download it's, it's the irony of so many tech apps that can help me limit my tech life yeah so I'm downloading apps to limit my yeah but I want to get Boomerang so that I can write my emails and schedule them via Gmail so that if I think it's something at 2 o'clock in the morning, it's not firing off at that time. Mm-hmm. And I, it's a courtesy I would like some people to extend to me. <laughs> do Why, you, do you get middle-of-the-night emails? Sometimes. From who? Work people? Yeah, work people, or just um, the other day it was a 7.30am text, and I was like, right, okay, line in the sound. No, here. so I get woken up all the time really, really, really early in the morning because BBC Radio rings. So I'm, I'm routinely woken up any time from 6am onwards and it's always an unknown number. So even though on some level I know it's going to be the BBC and I can ignore it, there's always that nagging suspicion that it's important news. So I tend to pick it up. But any time from 6am onwards, that's when they start booking guests for the day. So I very often get those calls. Uh, I thought if I see an unknown number, I don't answer it because I just think I'll get, hello, Sydney. No, so the BBC always comes up as unknown. Do so you have to pick it up? Oh, what a, what a devilish tactic. Yeah. Um, is there... This is one thing I always really like to ask my guests. Is there a moment in time, a bit of a sliding doors moment, that you think went your way? Don't be mad at me, but if you want to find out what Sally Hughes' sliding doors moment is, you are going to have to tune in to part two of the beauty podcast with Emma G featuring Sally, which will be live next Sunday. You don't want to miss it, by the way. It is a cracker. We get into our flow. We get into lots of things. We talk about hissy fits, hierarchies, the importance of spending time in the fashion cupboard, dickish behaviour, how fear manifests, and then subsequently how nerves manifest themselves, and being a good and a bad judge of character. And Sally tells me about interviewing the legend that is Joan Collins. And inevitably, the conversation comes back to uh, the wondrous, fabulous RuPaul. So tune in to the next episode of the Beauty Podcast with me, Emma G, featuring Sally Hughes to hear all of that and more. If you want to get in touch with the show, please do go to emmagunderwardner.com, click on the little envelope and your message will come directly into my inbox. I do try to get back to people as quickly and as promptly as I possibly can. Also, if you're listening to the show and you have some burning thoughts, why not go over to Twitter? Uh, You can find me at Emma Guns. Use the hashtag EGpodcast and let us know if you have any strong feelings, like Sally, about Converse, Spanx and Sucky and Tights or anything else that we discussed in the show. It is so wonderful to hear from all of you. So thank you to everybody who has been getting in touch. 
Um, I do listen. You asked me to change the podcast from Monday to a Sunday and I have done it. So anything else, any other suggestions, please do get in touch. Thank you so much for listening. If you are listening on iTunes, it would be wonderful if you could take the time to leave a rating and a review because I would love to know what you think. Thanks again. See you next time.